0: glad to be with you today. Good to see you here in this place. We're going to be looking today at living on the foundation of Christ, living on the foundation of Christ. Some of the things that we'll be talking about are things that we've alluded to in times before, and we'll keep building on those things as we look at our lives in the Lord. I want us to consider <coughs> excuse me, two passages this morning. Uh, one of them is a springboard for some very important aspects of the successful uh, Christian life. And then we'll move on to the next one as well. Beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, we read this. Paul says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another's building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. Now we know that he's talking about what he has done in sharing the gospel and there are others who are coming behind and who are preaching the gospel and are sharing that word and, and helping people to grow on that. And so he's giving some instruction to those of us who follow behind and are teaching and leading and preaching, et cetera. We can also look at this very much as a part of who each one of us as children of God uh, have in the, and, and responsibility we have in this to build on that foundation that is ours in Christ. Christ is our foundation. He is our chief cornerstone, and we know that. And we're responsible as we grow in the Lord how we build our Christian life. And so we want to look at living on that foundation. But reading on, in verse 11, he says this, "'For no man can lay a foundation "'other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus.'" He is the foundation for the Christian life. There is no other foundation. There's not another anywhere. In fact, let's go a little bit further than that. There is no other religion on planet earth that has the foundation that we have. Everything else, as a matter of fact, is a religion. It is something that has been man-made. It's been put together by men, thought together by men, Christianity is completely different from everything else on the planet because God did Christianity. He left heaven, came to earth, lived among us, and there is no one else who has this truth. This is it. And if we're ever going to, to have a successful life here on earth and then spend eternity in, with, with God, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There are a lot of folks who try to tell you, well, you know, this is good, that's good. Some folks tell you all roads lead to Rome. Whatever religion you have, that's fine as long as you're serious about it and sincere about it. I'm here to tell you today that is not true. That is not true. There is one God, one God, one Father of of humankind. That is our Lord. And He came to be among us, born of a virgin, known as the Son of God, Jesus our Savior, And He is the one. That is our foundation. There is no other. Grab that, hold on to that, and don't ever let it get away, Uh, whatever. There is no no other foundation. Now then, verse 12. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, or they can build with wood, hay, or straw, stubble, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. It doesn't take but just a a cursory look back to see what will endure. Uh, Gold, silver, precious stones, those things can endure. They can even be purified even more through fire. We've heard of the refiner's fire. We know what those things mean. Wood, hay, straw, stubble, those kinds of things will not last. They will be burned up in the fire. If we're living for ourselves and what we can do and what we can manufacture with our hands and, and conquer and what we can decide and figure out and work on our own and we're saying, well, you know what? Uh, I have my own way of believing. I have my own way of religion. I have my own way of, of doing things. Then that's one thing. That's wood, hall, that's wood, hay, and straw. Folks, that will not stand the test of time. There will come a time when we will be faced with the Lord and we're going to have to be on His foundation. No other. Precious stones, gold, silver, those things will make it. Those are the things that we, that we have committed to God of our life and say, Lord, here's my life. You take my life. Do with it what you want to do. And that will stand the test of time. We thank God for that. Not only that, it will stand the test of fire, It will be that which will take us on into glory, our faith in Christ living for him. What a joy that is. Builders do not begin a multi-story building with the fifth floor or the third floor or the second floor or the 14th or however high you want to go. They don't start there. That's air castles, okay? Builders start with a plan. They put a plan together, and in that plan, I guarantee you, early on, if you flip through the plans, some of you have looked through these things before, if you flip through the plans, you're going to find a foundation. They're gonna build that foundation related to what kind of building they want to build. Is it going to be a a one-story residential dwelling? Is it going to be a multi-story skyscraper that will house offices and whatever it's going to be? The foundation is going to determine, uh, or the, the kind of building is going to determine the foundation. And that foundation is imperative for that building. Now, today we want to build a Christian life. And we want our life to be successful in the Lord. And we want it to count for Him everything that we do. And so we begin with the foundation. That foundation is our Lord. He is our all in all. He is our salvation. That is Him. That is Him. But I said we want to look at another passage today as well. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and this is where we begin trying to kind of pull together some things to lay on this foundation. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, we read this. There was a certain man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, and for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity, and it is a grievous task. This man is alone. He's by himself. He's putting everything he has into what he can do, and he's not satisfied with life. I can tell you this. We can go through life trying to do things our way from now until someone pulls us right over our face. Let me promise you this, folks. Young people, you're going to be in camp this week. That's a great time. I used to love to go to youth camp. Haven't done that in a long time. I guess I'm getting too old. But I used to love to go to youth camp. It's great. As you build your life and you're working on toward your life, and then for the rest of us, as far as we may go, building our life, if we build it on our own ideas and thoughts and plans, we're never going to be satisfied. It's not going to happen. Why? Because we have left out the one ingredient that is, that, that is so necessary for the human life to be all that it can be. And that is the one who created it and put it together together and knows it best if we leave that ingredient out we've missed it all we've missed it all I've talked to several fishermen here uh, in these days and I love to fish too got a 35 inch redfish Friday had a great time had to watch him swim off because you got to put those back but had a great time but I remember the story of the man who had, who was a college professor and he was he was out on a fishing trip. He decided to take some time and went out with this old fisherman and, and they got out to sea and and this professor asked this fisherman he said, "Sir, have you ever studied the intricacies of botany?" The old fisherman said, "Well, no, I've never done that." He said, "Man, you missed half your life." They fish on a little bit He said, oh, oh, by the way, uh, captain, have you ever studied you know the intricacies of of zoology. No, sir, I've never studied that kind of thing. Man, you missed half your life. Storm came up. That boat's about to capsize. Captain looks at the professor and said, sir, did you ever learn how to swim? No, never did. He said, man, you lost all your life. That, that's it. It's done. It's over with. If we lose Christ, we've lost all of our life. He is the foundation. We can try to do it on our own, alone. We're never going to be satisfied. But let's look a little bit further in this passage. In verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. You and Christ, I can promise you, are going to be a lot more successful than you'll ever be alone. We need Him. My wife and I have talked about it several times. I said, sweetheart, I love you a whole ton but you're always going to be second fiddle in my life. And she says, that's exactly where you are in my life, and that's how we want it to be. He's number one. She's number two. Everybody else comes somewhere else below that. And that's where that's going to be. Christ has to be there for us to be successful, and we understand that. We want to apply that. But let's look at this today as, as people. He said two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Cord of three strands not quickly torn apart. This passage started with one person alone and they're just doing their thing. They're not satisfied and they can't find fulfillment And then he moves to two two people walking together we've looked at that and said that's us in Christ and that's what it needs to have fulfilling life. And then as we take him and apply him to all of our life then everything else becomes important. But then he moves into this and he says that two people are, Are better than one person and and you can do things together you can accomplish more in work together than you could accomplish alone you walk together if one falls somebody can lift you the companion can lift you up if uh, you get cold two can uh, can warm each other and that's important and he said even if you're attacked if you're attacked one person may struggle with that but two together can resist the attacker much better and then he hits the point we want to look at this morning a threefold cord is not quickly torn apart. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Not quickly broken. King James says it's not easily broken. Can't do that. That's what we want to look at. I want to weave a three-strand cord into our lives this morning that will help us live out our faith according to his word, his will, and his ways in our life. And build upon the upon the foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ and apply these things to our lives daily. So I want us to look at these three platforms. Without these three platforms built on the foundation of our salvation, our Christian life and walk is not going to be what we want it to be, what it should be, as successful as it can be. Again, we've alluded to some of these. We want to continue looking at these. The three platforms. You know, you, you, you look at a stool, uh, and a three-legged stool is pretty easy to balance. Have you ever thought about that? A one-legged stool kind of wavy. You know, you, you just kind of have to lean on it. A two-legged stool, you really got to balance to, to sit on that thing. Even a four, sometimes it's, it's not level on the, on the floor. Have you ever sat down in a chair and that thing just rocks? You can't get the four-legged. But if you sit on a three-legged stool, it doesn't matter. Because it's just stable. It's always there. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Try it sometime. It'll be a good experiment at home. Three platforms that we must have for our Christian life to be level as it should be. First is prayer. We've talked about that a little bit. Let's look at it. God wants us to spend time with Him in prayer. First Thessalonians 5:17. you know it well. Let's just say it together. Pray without ceasing. Do it again. Pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean going around 24-7 with your eyes closed, walking on your knees. You, you, you can't get anything accomplished doing that. But we certainly need prayer in our lives. What is the best position for prayer? It's not about the position you're in. We can get on our knees. We do that some. We can stand. We can walk. People are praying here. Brother Tommy was praying for our youth this morning, standing here on both feet. That's fine. I like the story of the man who was who worked on power lines for a living, and he would climb poles and work on those lines, and he said one day he was up that pole with his belt on it and his spikes in that thing, and his spikes slipped out, and he was falling down that pole, and he was the belt caught, and he was hanging upside down. He said, man, the best praying I ever did was hanging upside down by a power pole. It doesn't matter the position. Talk to the Lord. Spend time in prayer. He wants us to keep that channel of communication open at all times. I remember a pastor one time telling me, this is back during Navy days, telling me, he said, our our Christian life, our prayer life, is kind of like that channel of blessing that's flowing from God. We keep that channel of communication open. We're always talking to Him. We're, We're sharing with Him. We can pray riding down the road. Don't close your eyes when you're driving. We can pray at any time. And he said, keep that channel of communication open. And he said, when we do not keep that channel of communication open and we let other things begin to interfere with our prayer life and we say, well, I don't have time to spend time in prayer today or I don't have time tonight or I missed it today or whatever. And I just let other things keep in. He said, it's kind of like a beaver dam. That old beaver comes along, cuts down trees. He throws this tree in, he throws that tree in, he throws that tree in. in. And pretty soon the water is not flowing. He said, our prayer life is like that. If we let other things get in the way, pretty soon that channel of blessing begins to be dammed up. And we don't experience what we want to experience because we're not staying in communication with the one that matters most in our life, and that is the living Lord. Pray. Spend time with the Lord. Jesus wants to answer our prayers. John records Jesus. On this matter, in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, we read this. When he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In John chapter 15, just a page over, verse seven, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That is not carte blanche. That's not carte blanche. Just ask him for anything. Lord, I want my new car. I want my new this. Uh, No, he's not there. He's, He's not saying that at all. But he's saying, if you abide in me, Abide. A little Greek study on that. It means to continue to dwell, to remain. If you dwell in me, if you're living in me, if I am your most important thing, if I'm the foundation of your life, and you're standing on that, and that's who I am in your life, you're living there. That's your building. Then he says, you asked me in my name. You ask me according to my word. You ask me according to my will. You ask me according to my ways. That's what it means to ask in the name of Christ. In the name of Christ. Abiding in him. I want to do a little Greek study on that word abide for just a minute for you. Uh, From Wheeler's Greek syntax notes. It says this. That it's second person plural aorist, active voice, subjunctive mood. Somebody says, good, what is all of that? What does that mean? Second person, that's all of us. That's every one of you, plural. thats He says, all of you. Any of you, heiress tense. What is heiress tense? We'll come back to that. Active voice, that means you're involved with it. When he says, abide in me, you are the one who are responsible for abiding. You are the one who are to be consciously aware of, Lord, you are God, I am not. Let me keep myself in line with who you are and what you would have me to do. That's my active responsibility. I'm to do that as a child of God. He's told me to do that. I should. Subjunctive mood. That's interesting in greed. It means contingent, probable, or eventual. What that means is if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in the Lord, then God has a way of blessing that. If I'm not faithful to Him, then sometimes I might be damming up that channel of blessing. So he says it's subjunctive mood. Abide in me. You're responsible for doing that. All of you who are mine. But it's aorist tense. What is aorist tense? Aspectual meaning of the aorist is it's an external viewpoint concerning an occurrence as a whole or in summary, including beginning and end point. What does he say? That means it's just always going on. It started when you became a child of God, when you said, Yes, Lord, I trust you as my Savior. Then I'm in Christ. Now I have that foundation. it's in Christ. And the Aorist tense means that it's going on until the very end. And so it goes on and goes on and goes on. All of us who are abiding in Christ, continually from the time we accepted Him until the very end of our life, actively abiding in Christ we realize we're going to get some blessing from God. What a blessing it is to know that, to know that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Abide in me and ask what you will, and I will do it for you. I know I'm praying, and I believe you are too, that God will send us the pastor he wants us to have for North Florida Baptist Church. Lord, I want to keep that prayer out there. I'm going to keep it in front of you. Could God answer it the first time and say, okay, we don't need to say that anymore because we've already prayed about it. Yeah, you could do that, but you keep on coming. You keep on coming. You keep that channel open. And God is saying, this is my church. I told you the first day here. This is God's church. It's not ours. It's his and he loves North Florida Baptist Church and he wants North Florida Baptist Church to be strong and great and he's got a man coming to be a leader and he's gonna have you following him and God has good things ahead. I'm excited about the future for North Florida Baptist Church. Are you excited about it? Amen. Amen. That's the way it is. That's what it is. And So we're continuing to abide and we're coming back and saying, Lord, we're looking forward to that. Thank you for that. You know, sometimes in prayer, We do ask things wrongly. And we don't want to do that. In James chapter uh, 4, verse 3, we read this. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Lord, this is not about me. It's about you. And when I come to you in prayer, I'm asking you, oh God, that you'll be glorified in my life in my life. One of my beginning thoughts of prayer each day is, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the salvation you've given me in Christ. Lord, will you forgive me? Cleanse my life. And Lord, let me be found faithful servant of God today. I believe the Lord wants to answer that. Do I ever blow things up? Don't ask Susan." Sometimes, somebody's tinging me right now. I should have turned my phone off. But, you know, no, we're not perfect. We understand that. But, Lord, I want you to be here today. And so many times through the day when I get off, the Lord is right there going, do I don't know about you, but I need that. I need that regularly so that I ask the right way and say, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. It's not about my motives, it's about your motives. What will you have me to do? And we can do that in prayer regularly. When Herbert Hoover was running for president, and uh, probably not many of us here would remember that, but uh, when he was running for president, one of his campaign slogans was this, a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. That's a promise he was, he was trying to run on. Yeah, well, that's what we want. We want that in and everybody. And we'll work toward making that. Well, he was promising prosperity under a Hoover presidency. He won the White House in 1928, but prosperity didn't come, did it? For those of us who are history majors, and most of you will remember that story in history, the Great Depression. What an amazing time that was. That promise didn't, didn't come through, didn't come true. Men's promises can often fail often fail but the good news is the promise of God never fails and he says abide in me ask in my name according to my character my word my will my ways ask and it'll be done for you does it always happen immediately no sometimes it takes a while for it to come through we look back in our past and remember, well, we talked to the Lord about this and we were expecting some things. And then as time moved along, we saw what God did. What an amazing things. And He didn't always do it our way, but He answered our prayer and did it right. Someone said there's three ways God answers prayer. Yes, no, and wait a while. Someone else added a fourth one, Brother Tommy. said, yes, no, wait a while, and you got to be kidding. So I don't know. Maybe sometimes those of you got to be kidding ones are bad, Larry. That may be the case. But he says, come to me. Come to me. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have the promise of our Lord over the promise of any person on earth. Listening to the word of God in accordance with his word and will and way and going that way. If we're going to be what we should be in a Christian life, we're going to pray. Second thing is Bible study. The second platform we build on that foundation. we got to pray and then study the Word of God. Paul gives some timely instruction to his young friend Timothy. Be diligent to present yourself to God, approved to God, as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the Word of truth. You don't do that without study and spending time. Spending time in the Word of God. Hearing what he has to say. I go back through reading and and I just read like a chapter a day every day, just reading time and then do other study, but just reading time. And sometimes I read back through things I've read time and time again. And I go, you know, I didn't notice this before. How does that relate to what is going on here? Looking at the context of the Word of God and seeing what God is trying to say to us is an amazing thing. And we need to take it in context. We have the Old Testament and all that history and the prophetic words and the books of poetry and all that is there and what, how they relate to each other and what is God trying to say to us within the context of everything He's teaching us here. And then we have the New Testament and and Jesus coming and, and His life here in the Synoptic Gospels and, and then we see Paul writing and so much of the New Testament and And what does the Lord want us to do with the things that He taught us while He was here? And what it means to be a child of God? And we look at all that within context of it. And then we put New Testament and Old Testament together and say, what is God's doing? And we see the continuity of His Word from Genesis through Revelation, how it all ties together, written over 1,500 years by 40 or so different authors who many of them did not know each other. And yet there's a common thread from Genesis to Revelation that ties it all together. And what an amazing book we have, the book of books, the word of God. We need that as our direction for living. We need it every day in our life. God always had a better way for our relationship with him. I like to funnel it down Here's life, here's our work life and our recreation life and our home life and our, you know, our shopping life or whatever. Every category we can put together for life and it all comes under the truth of God and God has a plan and an outline in his word for every aspect of our life. Here's our, here's our relationship with our government. What does he want us to do with that? Read Romans 13, an amazing passage. God's word. If we're going to be as successful as we ought to be in the Christian life and we want to be, We're going to have to have the Word of God at the very front of our life. Now then, what are our questions about life? What kind of questions do we have about life? Go to the Word of God. He has answers, and He will give us those answers. Does He tell us how to crank a brand new uh, red Corvette? No, not in His Word He doesn't but he talks about life and we apply every bit of our life to him and his word to our life and we know what to do with life. There's some things we don't need to ask God about. Did you know that? There's some things we just don't have to ask him for. Lord, would you like for me to be a soul winner? Don't ask me that. It's in my word. As you are going through life, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've taught you. And guess what? I'm going to be with you every step of the way, all the way through to the very end of the age. I'm going to be there. We know it is the Great Commission. We don't have to pray about that. He's already told us what to do. We just want to say, God, I'm going to study your Word, and what you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do in my life. He's pleased with that. When we do that, gotta have that study. Need to know what he says in his word if we're gonna be there. And then a third thing, we pick up on it. We've shared a little bit about it. That third platform is fellowship with believers. You gotta to be together with the people of God. Remember when we talked about loving the church? We said we love the founder of the church. We love the fellowship of the church. The people of God being together. We love the future of the church. So we love the church in those, in those ways. We're all tied together as one. It's koinonia. It's that oneness of spirit in the Lord. That's fellowship with believers. When Paul and his traveling companions were on their missionary journeys, they came to a new city. They always went to the synagogue. And we said in a message some weeks ago, I like people that go to church. We all do. That's what it is. The writer to the Hebrews said it well in chapter 10. And beginning in verse 23, we read this. He says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you see the day drawing near, let's get together with the people of God in the house of God and study the Word of God together and pray together and, and be there for each other and be and be friends with each other and love each other in the Lord as we love Him. And let's see what all God might do with that. There may be those who will watch this uh, on the Internet later on. If you're there and you're waiting for TV and Internet to be your Leader, in your church time, you're making a big mistake. Get back in the house of God. Come together with the people of God. Fellowshipping with believers, holding fast the confession of our hope is done in our hearts personally and is encouraged and strengthened as we gather together and share with each other in this place, stimulating each other to love and good deeds is best accomplished as we meet together and encourage each other and help each other along the way. We have to have those things. Consider the day in which we live. The time is not just coming, but it's here when we must spend time together to encourage and strengthen from ministry. If we're going to leave uh, this meeting and go into a, an environment that is increasingly hostile to the Word of God, an environment in our world that's increasingly hostile to church and and Christianity and the people of God and they don't want you to talk about Jesus. They don't even want you to talk about God much. Why? Because this is truth and the world doesn't like the truth. The world wants to live on its own Merits, do its own thing, go my own way. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do everything for yourself. It's all about you. I remember seeing a graduation packet from a high school sometime back when Nathan graduated from Lincoln High School. And it was all the cards and the stuff and the, you know, you send out the invitations and all this. And and what blazoned across the front of that thing was these words, and it struck my heart. It said, it's all about you. And I thought, boy, that's the way of the world today. It's not all about us. It's about Him. It's about the Lord. And we want to be here so that we can encourage each other to be strong in the Lord. That's what we need. Our world is hostile to the Word of God and to Christians in general. We could illustrate that for a long time. All you have to do is read the paper and watch the news. And you know it. And you see it. The point is... The Word of God says we ought to get together in an assembly of believers. Let's just do it and encourage each other. Preacher, you're preaching to the choir. We're here. That's right. Encourage your friends around you. Come on back. But we miss you in this place. Come on and be a part of us. Be here for Sunday school. Get in the class and let's, and let's talk through these things. That's some great teachers. Get in here and let's, let's worship God together. And let's listen as the preacher tries to challenge us and convict us and and encourage us through. Let's do that and together. It's not a time for attack and dissension. It's a time for encouraging and building up. Let's look at one more passage real quickly. Then we'll close in Ephesians chapter four. Beginning in verse 11, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, let me tell you a little bit about this church thing. Let me tell you about this fellowship of believers that we are talking about. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. We have all these people in the the body of Christ doing the work that God has called them to do. He said, there's a reason. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of the pastor. That's not what that said, was it? Oh, oh, it's the fullness of Christ. That's what it says. That's who it's about. It's not about me, it's not about any of us, it's about Christ. And he said, I'm putting all these together so that we can encourage each other and we can be more Christ like. Because we get together and encourage each other and strengthen each other and grow together as a people of God. So when we leave this place having assembled together, then we're out there making a difference in our world. Wow, what a blessing. And he says in verse 14 as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. And I can promise you this, there are folks out there who will come and knock on your door and if you're not well-versed in the Word of God and are not encouraging each other and strengthening each other, they'll take your copy of the Word of God and tie you in knots with it because they've been taught how to do that and they will. But if you know the Word of God, they can't do that because you will have the truth. And the truth will prevail. It might make them mad. It might upset them. They're not any more lost if they're upset than they were when they came in the door. Keep telling them the truth. Because you never know when the Spirit of God who says, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age, you never know when that Spirit of God is going to be so strong on them that they too will see the truth in Christ and come to know Him as Savior. So just keep doing it. You don't have to be tossed about. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Boy, that's where we are. That's who we are. That's who we want to be in continuing to serve our Lord. As we began the message, we looked at the foundation of the Christian life, Jesus our salvation. Do you know that you place your faith in Him as Savior and Lord? Do you know that He is there? Have you trusted Him to be your Savior to come in and take control of your life and be Savior from sin? If not, that's the most important thing you could ever do. Nothing else will match that. And then, as we become children of God, what do we do with this thing that we call the Christian life? we got the foundation. Now let's build toward that next floor and that next floor and that next floor. Let's build. Let's build on a platform of prayer. Lord, I need you. Will you you give me your your person, yourself today? Will you guide me through this day? I need your help. I don't know what I'm going to face. One of my former deacons at fellowship said it like this, and I'm thinking, boy, I wish I was smart enough to think like that. But he said this, he said, I like to begin my prayer every day with this, Lord, today's a new day, and I don't know what's going to happen today, but you do. But today's going to be a brand new adventure in you, and I just want you to take it and do with me what you will. And I'm going, man, that's good stuff. Wow. We're building on that platform, and then we're building on that platform of the Word of God. Lord, what do you have in your Word? Bless your Word to my life and to others through me. Make me usable. And then, Lord, when I have opportunity to be with the people of God on the Lord's Day and grow, I'm going to do that. And you guys are going to have a whole week of it in youth camp. That's great. You'll have a lot of fun. You'll play a lot of games. Get tired and sweaty. That'll be fun, too. But they'll teach you, and they'll train you, and they'll help you. What a blessing that's going to be.